0: delve into some side notes and what are side notes? They may be historical issues that I want to deal with that give you a biblical perspective. It might be something economic. Might be something from the Bible, might be some symbolism from the Bible, or it might even just be some ideas, philosophical, maybe even scientific, that interest me and that I think the Bible either speaks to or they shed light on Scripture and allow you to understand and see Scripture in uh, maybe a new, a different, a more in-depth way than you saw it before. So uh, Friday Side Notes is uh dealer's choice type situation for me in in that I am going to just give you information that is important. On today's Friday side note, we're going to be talking about worship and we're going to be talking about how we understand what worship is and then we're going to be talking about who we actually worship and I would postulate to you as we get started today that we worship one of three either beings or things with our life and everybody does that. Everybody worships one of those three. But first before we get to that, we need to understand uh, that worship is an activity. Worship is an action. It's something that we do, and it's for the purpose of glorifying or making something known. And uh, in the Bible, worship is participatory. What does that mean? That means that uh, worship is is actually doing something with your physical body. In the Old Testament, uh, you've got the word yada, which means worship, which means literally to thrust your hands in the air You've got the word for worship that is hallelujah, which means to shout or to praise the Lord. It means it, it literally means to worship by shouting or worship by singing. And then also you've got uh, worship in the New Testament and the Old Testament. The uh, New Testament word is proskunu, which means to fall down on your face or to prostrate yourself. It's the idea of making yourself humble before the Lord. All these ideas in the Bible, we see uh, David dancing before the Lord in worship. We see people sing. Singing and being exhorted to sing to the Lord as a as an act of worship. In fact, uh, the Bible tells us that that our act of worship, our our whole being, in Romans chapter twelve verse one, it says, "I beseech you, therefore, brethren, in view of God's mercy, that uh, you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of service." The Bible teaches us that our offering of our body is, is a, a form of worship. It's the offering of our lives and our actions. The, the context of who we are in the world is what worship is. And so worship is an important principle to understand from a scriptural pers- perspective. In fact, Exodus chapter one uh, says this, the first commandment, I am the Lord your God. And this is Exodus chapter 20, I'm sorry, verse two. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before He's saying, you're not going to worship any other god but me. And then he says, you shall not make for yourselves carved images, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. What he's saying is don't worship created things. You shall, bow down, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And so what he's saying is that he's jealous for our worship. He's jealous for a relationship with us. God desires uh, to have a close, personal, intimate relationship with us, and he desires for us to worship him or for our lives to make him known to make him obvious, to make him seen by those around us and by the universe and by the, the things that are in the universe that we're in. And God created us to glorify him or to worship him. Now, Romans chapter 1 tells us that that just because he made us for that doesn't mean that we actually do that. It says, it says that God manifests himself, and I talked about this in a side note a couple of weeks ago. God manifests himself in his creation. And all that might be known about him in his general revelation to us is known in creation. But he says uh, in verse 21 of chapter one, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Notice they didn't worship him, nor were, were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. That means we closed our eyes off when we don't glorify him and we don't worship him as God. God uh, causes our minds and our hearts to be darkened. He says, professing them to be wise, they became fools. And notice, and they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into images made like corruptible man. Notice, now we're not just worshiping idols that are made like nature, but we're literally worshiping idols or images made uh, in the image of man. And of birds and four-footed animals and creepy things. So there's the worship of the physical creation. There's the worship of man. He says, therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness. And he talks about all their all their lust of the flesh. And he gives them over to their worship because they're worshiping the physical world rather than worshiping him. And he says that that he's not going to he's not going to allow that. And so understanding who we worship is critical to actually focusing our worship in the right place. Now, I would say to you that everyone, every human being worships one of three things. First of all, they worship the one true God. They worship uh, God himself who sits on his throne. Now they may not even know who that is. Paul, there's a story of the apostle Paul when he went to Athens and he wanted to talk to the people in the in in Athens about God and he wanted to explain it to him. He was searching for just a, something to open the door so that he could tell them and explain to them who God was. And he noticed that there was a statue there and that statue was to the unknown God. And what that meant was to Paul, that meant that they recognized that there may be a God out there that they just really don't know about. They don't know who he is. And they decided that they would make sure that they had an idol or a statue to that God so that they weren't missing out. And the apostle Paul says, I know who that God is. I know the God that you're missing out on is, and I want to introduce you to them. And so he says, I'm going to tell you about the God that you have represented in this statue right here or this idol and so then he began to share with them who god is and god's eternal plan through jesus christ for them and so they they were able to hear the good news of jesus christ from the apostle paul because they understood that they didn't know everything about god and there are many out there who uh, don't know, you uh, see the Ethiopian eunuch sitting in the back of his chariot and uh, Stephen going up to him and him reading from the book of Isaiah, but him not understanding who that's talking about. And he says, how can I know unless somebody teaches me? When Stephen asked him, do you know who that is? And he says, I, I can't know. Nobody's told me who it is. And so a lot of times people have already been born again. They God's already moved and began the process of bringing them to him. And they need someone to come there and we call preach or tell the good news to them of Jesus Christ so that they have their eyes open to who they're seeking out because God's already given it to them in their heart to seek Him out. He's already given them the gift of faith, and they need to know where to place that faith, and that faith is in Jesus Christ, and they need to know who to worship. And they're seeking out to worship God himself, the God uh, of the universe, the God who created all things, the God who manifests himself, in his son, Jesus Christ, and the God who reveals himself by the Holy Spirit, they're they're actively seeking to find him because God has already begun the work in their hearts to make that. And there is the worship of the one true God. There also is the worship of the universe that we live in. And that's what that passage in Romans is talking about. It's talking about worshiping uh, the created things of the universe, that which is around us and you people who do that. Remember, nothing that was created was not created by him. And that comes from that same side note that was from a few weeks ago. Everything that God made was created by Jesus. And John chapter one tells us that nothing that was made was not made by him, which means that Jesus, that's a double negative, And that means that Jesus made everything. He made absolutely everything, and everything that is in creation came from him. And so when we understand that, and when we see that, if someone worships their work, well, they're worshiping a created thing. If someone worships a car, they worship a created thing. And remember, uh, worship is an act of sacrifice. We saw that, that we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, as good and pleasing worship of God is. It's our spiritual act of worship. If you are giving of yourself to something, then you're get, then you're glorifying, you're magnifying that, you're making that something important, and that's worship. And when we worship something created, maybe it's a, a place that we like to go, maybe it's a TV show, maybe it's music, maybe it's something in, in the world that we worship. An idol. Maybe we worship animals. Maybe we worship nature. Maybe we worship some aspect of nature that we give a name. Maybe we worship the study of nature, which is science. And science can be very religious in its nature because many of the things that scientists will tell you is absolutely true are based off postulations that haven't been proven, and they're not laws of nature. And sometimes they hold to those things so hard that it seems like it's almost religion to them it is a religion to them and so even the study of nature can become uh, a form of worship and god said he gave the, us over to our futile minds our darkened hearts and allowed us to begin to worship uh created things now the pinnacle of god's creation in the universe is man and sadly enough many people want to worship either other people or even the more more uh, painful and more delusional worship and that is the worship of oneself many people we we place people on pedestals we do that with even pastors you do know that right that's one of the things i try my very best to do is to teach the people that i'm pastoring not to worship me not to place me on a pedestal not to go to somebody else and say my pastor says this i always want them to say the Holy Spirit revealed this to me because even if they rebe- it was revealed while I was speaking, it was the Holy Spirit who revealed it because spiritual things can't be revealed by human flesh. They have to be revealed by the Spirit. Now, the Bible calls what we do as far as teaching and preaching foolishness because it's foolish to think that a human being could actually convey to somebody else the divine qualities of the eternal God. That really is foolishness, but God's ordained that. He said, I want that. I want to use that. I want to use that foolishness, that weak." thing right there to prove how wonderful and dynamic and powerful i am and he does uh, use us that way but that's not for you to worship us it's for you to worship um well it's for you to worship god himself and understand that god's revealing himself through that and, and many times we want to worship other human beings we want to worship someone else but the most the most deadly and delusional worship ultimately becomes the worship of oneself. And that is the the type of worship that God has a lot of difficulty breaking through to you because of. Many times we, we are selfish, we're born selfish, we're born self-oriented, we're seeking our own self-interest, and ultimately our lives begin to uh, be wrapped around what we want, what we need, what we desire, and uh, we set aside God's plan for us and uh, what we do is we uh, choose our own plan for our own life and that is a delusional self-worship and ultimately it leads to emptiness despair death and uh, separation from all that is good and all that is god and when you're thinking about worship it is very easy to find ourselves slowly sinking in to worship. And even Christians have a form of Christian hedonism where our theology is based on us and not God. And our desires, we we think that we can use God to promote what we want and our will rather than His will. And even some of the theologies that are prevalent today that teach that God wants to make you uh, healthy, wealthy, and prosperous in every situation is really centered around the idea. That you are that you are the center of everything, and that God is focusing His whole will and His whole way on you being okay and having good things. God does want to give us good things. He has plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us hope in the future. He wants to give us the desires of our heart. All these scriptures are true, and they are a they are yes and amen. But oftentimes. We're going to go through trouble and struggles. And Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble. And he said, take up your cross and follow me, which means sacrifice yourself so that I might be worshipped and I might be followed. And you can't have both together. I want you to hear me that. That I want you to hear this. You can't think that God's never caused you to have any struggle and difficulty, never going to have you never gonna have you deal with problems in life and never ever. Uh, have bad things happen to you, you can't say that and say you're going to take up your cross and follow him. Those don't go together. Now, God is working his very best in you, oftentimes in those troubles. James says, kind it pure joy when you face troubles of many kinds, because the testing of your faith uh, produces character and perseverance, and ultimately it produces full maturity in you, and troubles and joy and difficulty all come together. Troubles and uh, overcoming come together. And we can't begin our uh, walk with God focused on ourselves. We do, but ultimately we learn that we are the one who are sacrificing ourselves. We're the one who are giving to God ourselves. We're making our lives a living sacrifice to him. Our worship is designed to glorify who he is And not glorify us. And so once you realize that, you begin to set aside the self-delusional things that are self-worship, and you begin to place God at the center of your life. Let me say this. I I believe you're going to be able to do that. I believe that God's bringing about maturity in your life. And I believe, especially if you're listening to this podcast or you're studying the word or you're seeking God out, I, I, I can almost guarantee you he's going to produce that maturity in you and he's going to make you full and complete and known. And you're going to walk in his blessing and his best, but you're going to go through the difficulty and the refining that is required to make that happen. And I'm going to say that you're going to experience it in its fullness and its best And I pray for that for you. I pray that your life will be a life that worships God, that doesn't worship what he's created, and that doesn't worship other people, especially ourselves, but that worships him and him alone, and that you would worship him uh, one and only, the one and only true God, and that you would make him known to to yourself, and that as the Spirit makes that uh, true in you, that you would make him known to others because the light that is God is in you. I pray for that. And I pray for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.